L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Rob Longo with you here as we decided to give Sam Farber the next few days off to enjoy that wonderful Las Vegas experience. But fear not, however, because I am joined by the other Sam here on the Hornets Hivecast. That, of course, is Sam Purley from Hornets.com. Sam, as always, appreciate you filling in on our required quota of someone named Sam on the podcast once again. Yeah, I was actually just about to make the same joke. I'm filling in the uh, having at least one Sam to keep the momentum going, so you stole my thumb. Under there but yes happy to join you as always great minds think alike or something like that we'll just chalk it up to that so we got a ton to get to today including some late breaking news from the early evening yesterday so let's go ahead and of course jump right into it beginning with last night's action in las vegas it was an 80 to 70 loss for the hornets in their second summer league game in as many nights this was one of the more traditional matchups that you normally would see in summer league with the kings having a roster compiled of mostly younger players with the oldest player on the roster having three years of professional experience. Charlotte was paced by Arnaldis Kabulka, who got the start over Scotty Lewis after he injured his ankle on Sunday's game against Portland. The lanky Lithuanian scored a game-high 13 points, going 5 of 11 from the floor. Meanwhile, there was some notable performances in the supporting cast, one of which coming from Leangelo Ball, who had a few energizing plays, including this one down the stretch in the fourth quarter that made it a one-possession game. Riller tips it away. Hornets with numbers. Riller gives to the corner. Ball, catch and shoot. Three is short, but he got his own rebound. Puts it up with the right hand. Floats it in. Yes! Plus the foul! Jello finishes with 10 points off the bench, 4 of 8 from the floor with a pair of steals and ended up being a plus 9 in the plus-minus. James Booknight had 11 points, Nick Richards added 10 points, and DJ Carton provided 13 off the bench as well, which was once again an 80-70 to 70 loss for the Hornets. Sam, what are some of your takeaways from last night's game? Well, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was, and this is more of a take from the other side, was how good the Kings' defense was. I mean, they were doing an excellent job of pressuring the ball. I think it was a little bit of, a lot of it was some of the stuff the Hornets ball handlers, James Booknight, DJ Carton, and some of the other guys just have not seen. And, and led by Davion Mitchell, he was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, you can see why this guy was such a factor in the NCAA tournament for Baylor. But I think the Hornets just had a long, they just didn't have a whole lot of ball movement. I mean, I think you saw flashes like you saw in the Portland game. And like you said, they were facing a, a kind of a more 
team on their level in terms of experience, but they just I think they need to move the ball a little bit more. I think Dutch Gately made a great point afterwards. He doesn't mind the turnovers necessarily. If they're moving the ball and it's deflections and they're swinging it around, it's the isolation stuff where Mitchell was just kind of getting all up in some of these guys and trapping them in corners and stuff, and it just it stalls the offense completely because the shot clock runs down, everyone's kind of scrambling. So I thought the Hornets actually defensively also did a good job kind of matching and staying in it. Like you said, I think they had a few high-energy plays down the stretch, like from Ball, from Book Night, I think he hit a three towards with under two minutes left to get it within four. I mean, they kept themselves in it, but I think kind of the ball movement, kind of opening up the offense a little bit more moving forward is going to be the priority for the rest of uh, their time in Vegas. Turnovers were certainly an issue. Here's what Kai Jones had to say after the 80-70 to 70 loss on those turnovers. I felt like defensively we weren't aware enough, and um, we could have been a lot um, tighter in terms of just taking care of the ball. Me, myself, I had a couple turnovers. Um, as a team, we had a couple turnovers. So just cleaning that up and executing. We had 26 turnovers overall, so I feel like we could have did a better job taking care of the ball and just guarding, slowing down, getting better shots. Kai touched on it there, Sam. 26 turnovers. 14 of those came in the first half, so the second half was a little bit better in that regard, but the previous night against Portland, it was only 22 turnovers, so in terms of some positives and negatives, the mistakes are expected to be there in Summer League, and some are more glaring than others, and of course, we're not bashing the players here by any means, saying these guys are terrible or anything like that. This is a learning process for them, considering that a lot of these guys haven't seen live game action since the combine in Chicago that was back in July so the biggest thing I take away from all this is the players just haven't had a chance to gel really with one another for the most part Dutch Gately did touch on it about how a lot of it is not moving the ball and that sort of thing and I think that's one of those things where it's just a system where these players are going to have to kind of take some time to understand the system and understand the process because a lot of these guys are coming from top college programs coming from overseas what have you where they were the main guy they are used to having the ball in their hands being able to do essentially whatever they want and now that they have this talent around them it's one of those things where it's okay now we got to learn how to play together as a team and you know again they've only practiced for a week going into Las Vegas now they got a couple of game reps under their belts and I'm sure that's going to be one of those things that not only is Dutch Gately going to touch on the next couple days in practice but just something that's going to kind of develop over time these things definitely take time yeah like you said like you hit a spot on this is a big learning process there's going to be mistakes there's going to be some sloppiness um at times I've been poking around a lot of summer leagues just kind of and there's some games that are just flat out unwatchable and that's just kind of the nature of the beast you see a lot of fun stuff you see a lot of you know college guys see how they're acclimating great plays and then you see a lot of just wow you know so it is it is a fun thing but it's just you got to kind of take everything with kind of a grain of salt like you said you know perfectly this is a learning process and chemistry is a big thing a lot of these guys have never played together as a unit you know for more than a week it takes a lot of time you look at the guys that were here last year like Grant Riller, Vernon Carey, Nick Richards they didn't really play a whole lot together either last year I mean they don't really have a whole lot of chemistry because they played a handful of games in the bubble back in February that's not a whole lot and that was also six or seven months ago so you know putting the chemistry together getting a feel of everybody you know in everybody's games it just takes time and I think it'll be I think it was a little bit of a challenge too to come in you're already playing that first day of summer league after arriving Saturday then you play another game without truly kind of dissecting what happened in the Portland game so 
like you said, they got a day off to kind of to get a breather, got a practice day, and they'll go into Thursday night, hopefully ready to roll against the Spurs. One of the other things that stood out to me, and I guess we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it, was the play of LiAngelo Ball. 20 minutes coming off of the bench last night in a previous game against Portland on Sunday. He played 16 minutes and had 16 points. Last night's game, 20 minutes, 4 of 8 from the floor shooting, 10 points total. He ended up with 5 rebounds and 2 steals as well, only committing 1 turnover. The field goals, again, like I mentioned, 4 of 8 shooting, but only 1 of 4 from beyond the arc. The thing that LiAngelo Ball kind of hangs his hat on and what his ticket could be onto an NBA roster is his 3-point shooting, is his ability to score the basketball. We saw him able to do it in a couple of different situations. You heard the highlight earlier in the segment about how he missed a 3, got his own rebound, drove to the rim, and got an and one opportunity and was able to convert it to make it a one-score game late in the fourth quarter. So again, energy plays that I talked about, but I don't think a lot of us kind of realize what we were seeing with LiAngelo Ball, and his play has kind of been maybe a little bit of a surprise to some. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, and I will be right in that camp, I was a little... I guess skeptical is the word, just because he hasn't played in in a real league since, I mean, maybe college, maybe the Lithuania thing. So it's really hard to tell when you're not getting game reps and playing in real kind of structured environments. But he's definitely, you know, kind of, you know, making the most of his opportunities right now. I think he did a good job of staying involved in the game in the first half when, granted, nobody in Charlotte was really scoring um, in the first half and then kind of like you said, made a couple good plays down the stretch. And like in a game like this, where it felt like, you know, one basket was like making four or five, I mean, three-point play almost feels like 10 points in a game that's 80 to 70, where you're, you know, turning it over 26 times, 27 times. So good for him. I think he's had kind of a, like LaMelo as well, he's had kind of a unconventional path and maybe even a harder one just with how things have played out, but it seems to be making the most of his opportunity, and that's what Summer League's about. Once again, the Hornets fall last night 80-70 to to the Sacramento Kings. That's Game 2 of Summer League action. Game 3 of the Summer League will be on Thursday against the San Antonio Spurs. We'll have a preview of that one coming your way here in a couple minutes, but I want to get into some breaking news that was released Monday late afternoon, early evening. We'll have that for you next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Be sure to check out the Hornets Fan Shop at Spectrum Center. Now open Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Check out all the newest Hornets gear or grab a new pair of J's. It's an easy trip on the light rail or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 at HornetsFanshop.com. Rob Longo and Sam Perley of Hornets.com here with you today on another rendition of the Hornets Hivecast. And Sam, we got some exciting news yesterday that head coach James Borrego and the Hornets have agreed on a contract extension that came late Monday afternoon, early Monday evening, whatever you want to call it. We don't know how many years the deal is because that kind of information was not disclosed, but we do know that it is a multi-year deal. What we do also know is that this upcoming season was going to be the final year on Borrego's current deal and despite what is a 95 and 124 record in the first three seasons with the Hornets this team is definitely trending in the right direction of course Charlotte was in fourth place in April prior to Gordon Hayward and a few other notable players getting injured and if you watched Real Access this past season it's pretty obvious that JB is a well-respected well-liked coach in the locker room as well so for me personally this was a no-brainer I think this was maybe something that some people in the organization or some people looking at this organization 
organization could have expected. You know, Steve Clifford was here for five seasons before James Borrego took over, but prior to that, coaches only lasted one or two years for the most part at this franchise. I'm a big believer that stability goes a long way, and while the win-loss record might not be there quite yet for JB and the Hornets, the expectation is that's going to change rather quickly. Yeah, and I would I wouldn't even look at the win-loss record right now. I know it's a it's a win-loss league, as, as JB will remind us, but you know it's a certain different situations and stuff. Last few years, I mean, a lot of that is rebuilding and stuff. But on a personal standpoint, I'm absolutely thrilled for JB. You know, getting to know him the last three years means he's poured so much into his time with the Hornets in three years, and it's been kind of a weird ride because he had the first year he came in where he's got a veteran-laden team, kind of going for the playoffs, and they reset a little bit in 2019, kind of went all in on the rookies and the other younger guys, and then the season gets cut short, and then you have no weird offseason last year. We don't go to the NBA bubble, and then you know you end up having this great luck in the lottery, and you get Gordon Hayward, and then you have all this stuff kind of go right, and then it comes you know tumbling down with the injuries this year. So it's been kind of a wild ride, but there's something to be said about you know every guy that has come through this organization in the last two to three years has gotten better here, and it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen just by natural maturation and, and development. I mean, there's a process, there's a plan. Guys like playing together here. A lot of that is the coach and a lot of that is the energy and the culture that he has put here. So I think it's, like you said, no-brainer. I think it's great to have him on board and have the extension for whatever, you know, multitude of years moving forward. So I, I'm thrilled for him personally. I'm thrilled for this team and this organization because I think they got the right guy in charge for the foreseeable future. Yeah, one of the things, and you touched on it too, was something that I've noticed throughout this past season, this being my first year with the franchise, was is that you see this camaraderie with James Brago and his players and they were such a tight-knit group and you know it's very easy to quit when things do not go right I mean Gordon Hayward getting hurt health and safety protocols coming down the stretch with Miles Bridges LaMelo Ball missing a month towards the end of the season because of his fractured wrist it is very easy to just kind of give up at that point with everything not going your way and somehow some way James Brago was able to hold that locker room together do a really good job just keeping everybody focused on the prize now of course it ended up up a little bit short and not getting a playoff berth and getting bounced in the 9-10 game of the play-in tournament, but the groundwork is there, it seems, and it seems like, you know, one of the biggest things with a team and growing up and playing sports is when players buy into what the coach is selling, that's when kind of everybody is able to succeed. When the locker room is fractured, that's when things could get a little rough. But I never got that indication, and it doesn't feel that way when you talk about the players and what James Borrego has been able to instill in his team. Yeah, absolutely. That's and that's important stuff. I think it's something that kind of gets glossed over a little bit. And they're not saying necessarily that every guy in the locker room has to be best friends with. That's not necessarily what we're indicating. But having every guy on the same page, buying into the process, buying into the developmental system, understanding that going to Greensboro is okay, or you know, not being in the rotation is okay because you're going to get a chance at some point. And certainly saw that last year. I mean, just about every single player played at some point in meaningful minutes just with all the craziness going on. So it's exciting to be a part of it and to see it here in Charlotte right now, just to kind of feel something kind of growing together. And that starts from the top. It starts from obviously the owner and Michael Jordan. It starts with Mitch Kupchak. It starts with, and, you know, trickles down to James Borrego. And like I said, you know, I, I couldn't be more thrilled because, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's got a peace of mind or whatever. You kind of go into the season, you're relaxed, you got your team, you know what, where you're going to, be you know it's not really a thing you have to think about anymore and I think you can kind of focus not implying necessarily that it was a focus before but you can kind of focus on basketball focus on taking this team to its goals moving forward and you know getting everybody better and that's that's kind of what we want is just to keep moving forward and I think you know with Borrego at the helm it's certainly a possibility for sure.
Sam, you've been around this team a lot longer than I have. So how do these James Borrego years kind of compare to in the past under different regimes? Now, I understand that the franchise is kind of in two different stages under two different coaches for the most part. I mean, the Hornets with Kemba Walker were much more of a veteran team. This Hornets roster, obviously a lot younger, couple of veterans sprinkled in there as well. Probably going to see some more veterans based off of what has transpired in free agency so far this offseason. But I'm sure that there are a few things that stick out that were a lot different under previous coaches that you've seen? Yeah, just from a personal standpoint, my first intern year was Steve Clifford's second year. So they were coming off the playoff appearance of the first year with the Hornets, and it was 2014-15. So, I mean, just the backgrounds were a little bit different. I mean, Cliff kind of came up through a little bit more of an old-school kind of traditional, you know, work with the Van Gundys a lot, work in Orlando, work in Houston, and Thibodeau and stuff like that. And then JB obviously kind of came from the Spurs tree exclusively, branched out to New Orleans, had the, little, had the chance in Orlando for a little bit, went back to San Antonio. So, you know, it's just different. I think every coach has a different kind of path, and, you know, every organization year is different things happen, injuries happen, signings happen, you don't expect, you know, you get good luck, you get bad luck. Hornets have certainly experienced that. But, you know, just kind of how I've seen JB, I guess, grow the last three years has been really interesting. And being a first-time head coach, you know, he took losing really, really hard the first season. I think he, you know, getting that first NBA head coaching job, you want to come in and you want to set the world on fire and you want to go to the playoffs and exceed expectations. And I think it was really tough that first year just kind of processing every loss. And I think, you know, it took a while to kind of get to the point where you can't let your highs get too high and you can't let your lows get too low. So you got another game, and I think he's done a good job of kind of compartmentalizing every game day to day to day, just kind of focusing on getting better, not, you know, dwelling so much on the losses or the wins necessarily. So that's kind of the main thing I think I've seen from him personally these last three years. And I think it's, you know, like we said, that first year was obviously a little different. These last two years, you know, it's hard. It's hard kind of losing all those veteran guys you had that year, like Kemba and Jeremy Lamb and Tony Parker and, you know, Marvin Williams eventually and turning the reins over to a bunch of younger guys. It's hard. you got to have a lot of patience to do that, to give your keys to a second-year Devontae Graham and rookie P.J. Washington and a third-year Miles Bridges that, you know, there's a lot of growing pains. So I think he's done a, just amazing job of kind of, you know, being patient, being compassionate, being understanding and kind of helping this team grow together with him. You know, they're growing as players and he's growing as a coach as well. So it's been a really spectacular experience to be, you know, witnessing the last few years for sure. Through all the trials and tribulations, James Brago has not dropped the sword. He gets a well-earned and he is rewarded with a multi-year extension. He will be in a Queen City for a few more years to come. Again, we don't know the exact terms of the contracts, but again, multi-year deal and he will certainly be the leader for the Hornets in the foreseeable future. Well, we got a couple of days until our next action against San Antonio for the Hornets, that is, in Summer League play. We'll give you a preview of it here in a few moments on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Harden inbounds to Richards. Richards holds it, keeping his dribble. Powers his way inside. Goes up and thunders down a two-handed dunk. Bruising drive in there against the seven-footer Quitta. Richards is the third Hornet into double figures. He's got 10. 
Nick Richards finishes with 10 points in last night's 80-70 loss to the Sacramento Kings getting the start. Playing 27 minutes, went 4-7 from the floor, also collected 6 rebounds and had 3 blocks. He is going to be a little bit important on Thursday as Rob Longo and Sam Perley roll along here on a Hornets Hivecast. Thursday's game against San Antonio and Sam, I haven't been able, I will admit, I have not been able to do my homework like I wished I have against this San Antonio Spurs team coming up. But the one thing I did notice taking a look at the Summer League roster, only one player is over 6'10". So this is a smaller lineup. Of course, they do have some lanky guards such as Josh Primo and Joe Wisecamp, the two draft picks that the Spurs selected this past draft in the first and second round respectively. But for the most part, the Hornets in this Summer League roster have a ton of size. And that's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out in Thursday's game against San Antonio. Yeah, that's a good observation, and I'll be, I will admit I'm looking at their box score right now. So they played one game thus far, lost to the Timberwolves. I think it was earlier on Monday afternoon, lost by two. Um, like you said, yeah, it's a guard-heavy lineup. They've got Devin Vassell, who was their lottery pick last year. They've got Trey Jones believe that was maybe a second rounder last year get Trey and Tyus Jones confused a little bit and like you said Primo too I think was kind of as I mentioned I think on a previous podcast was maybe the biggest surprise of the first round in the draft just because I think a lot of people projected him to go a little bit lower but Vassell 23 point game you know Jones 16 point game they've got a couple other notable names like you said Weisskamp they just drafted great shoot out of Iowa Scala BCR is on the team trying to kind of looking for a little change of scenery after Sacramento. So should be a good one. And like you said, I like the, you know, kind of pinpointing, looking at the size, you know, the Hornets started last night with no Scotty Lewis. They started Kobolka as a three and then Kai Jones and Richards. I mean, all those guys are six, nine right off the bat. So if they can kind of take advantage of that size and that length, and they had JT Thor in the rotation a little bit too. I think that helps seems to be the direction they're going and get some of those offensive rebounds, get a little bit more disruptive on defense. I think that'll give them an advantage against a team that on paper in San Antonio looks a little bit smaller, just kind of looking strictly at the measurements. Yeah, one of the things you almost touched on it a little bit there was Arnaldis Kabolka. Thursday seems like it would be a game for Arnie to really take over again. If he plays in that three spot like he was last night and the night before against Portland, it seems like it was just going to be one of those nights for him because he has, has so much size that he's able to kind of outpace, shoot over some players if he's able to get in some catch-and-shoot situations. But then, again, once again, the turnovers have been an issue for the Hornets and Dutch Gately, the summer league coach, mentioned that, you know, a lot of those turnovers are because we're not passing the ball. So it might be one of those situations where Arnaldis doesn't quite get so many looks because they're not facilitating passes to him. So it's just one of those things that I'm interested to see not only how Kobolka responds after a night where he said he kind of had to be a little bit more selfish in his postgame press conference just because that was the nature of how the game unfolded but I'm interested to see after two nights of consecutive play you're not able to break down film you're not really able to digest what happened how this young Hornets team responds to off days on Tuesday and Wednesday heading into Thursday's matchup yeah and I think the way he meant selfish just to clarify so or not I think he meant more so you know I think in the first game I think he was a little bit passive and I think Gately even admitted that he needed to do a better job of getting him involved a little bit more I think he only took or made one shot one of three one of four against Portland so you know I thought he was really good in the Kings game I mean he really kind of asserted himself I think he started three of three from three and watching him two years ago in summer league and even when he first came over for summer league in 2018 I mean it was really 
fast for him over here. I mean, he, he was kind of just strictly a spot-up shooter in the corner. That was basically his game. I mean, seeing him do a little bit more, he's crashing the glass. I think he deflected a pass and took it the other way in transition for an easy bucket. Making some more plays. I mean, he looks a lot more well-rounded than he did when he was over here and, and two years ago for Summer League. And, you know, he was really taking a major stump step forward in the Spanish league last year. And I thought it was interesting. I think it was a question you might have asked to him is, you know, how this draft and stash process works. I mean, the Hornets wanted him to come over. They reached out and said, you know, his contract had expired. They wanted him to come over here. This isn't just something that he just, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm just going to show up and play. I mean, the Hornets reached out and made an effort to make sure he got over here. You know, it's that's how impressive his play has been. So I'm excited to see kind of the more play from him just because he looks really, really much more well-rounded than he did two years ago when he was here. Yeah, full disclaimer, that was my question because, honestly, I don't really know how the draft and stashes work. But, you know, I was able to get some clarification from Arnie saying that it wasn't his decision and that it was more on the coaching staff and the organization that finally, like you mentioned, wanted to bring him over. A couple of other things that I wanted to take a look at going into Thursday's game. Again, we won't have a podcast for tomorrow off day we're going to let everybody rest for a minute it is summer league after all we'll be back after thursday's game for you on friday we'll probably touch on some free agent stuff as well with sam farber back in the fold after we gave him a few days off but heading into thursday's game a couple of things that i wanted to look at of course the turnovers are going to be a big thing the other thing i want to look at too is jt thor he only got 12 minutes of run in last night's game he didn't play in sunday's game again he is very fresh to this because he didn't get to practice all week because they were waiting for that pending trade with detroit to go through finally got to practice on Friday before the team flew out for Vegas on Saturday the team in fact moved practice to the evening so that that transaction could clear and he could finally officially join the team so I'm interested to see where JT is able to develop and grow in just such a short time and that could kind of go for any of these guys I mean James Booknight Kai Jones anybody in this draft class that just hasn't had a lot of time to mature because it's pretty much okay we're going to do this this and this all right here you go boom bang bing do the best you can good luck so one of the things that I'm looking forward to is seeing what JT Thor can do is there anything else that sticks out to you as we take a look at this preview against Thursday's game against San Antonio yeah you know one of the guys I've been and you kind of look at the guys on paper and you've got a little bit of college tape but it's a lot of guys with just various different backgrounds obviously you talk about Leangelo Ball and you know we've got first rounders and Koboku coming from Europe but I'm really excited to see more of DJ Carton I think you know he's I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar an all-star or anything necessarily like that but undrafted guy out of Marquette spent just two years in college I think he did one year at Ohio State I mean he's got there's something to his game he does a little bit of everything I think he did a good job of kind of being patient he's a good ball handler I'm not really sure what his primary position was at Marquette but he looks like he could be a lead ball handler with some development I like his patience I like his facilitating defensively he looked pretty solid I mean, he was getting some rebounds I think he looks like he's only 6-0 so he's a fun player to watch I've really enjoyed watching DJ Carton so far and I think the Hornets obviously have liked what they see because they offered him an exhibit 10 contract over the weekends which means I believe he'll be in Hornets training camp so he's a guy that's, you know, again, probably future G League guy, but, you know, you never know with these kind of situations, you know, who knows what can happen. So, yeah, he's a guy that I'm kind of keeping my eye on just because I, I just enjoyed watching his game. He does a little bit of everything. He's athletic. He's got some bounce and he's versatile for sure. Yeah, Carton was one of the guys that I actually mentioned on yesterday's podcast. So sorry, I beat you to the punch a little bit there. Carton, <laughs> though, 21 minutes in last night's game at 80 to 70 loss against the Sacramento Kings, did have 13 points and was an efficient 7 to 9 from the foul line, including 3 of 5 from the floor. That's going to do it for 
for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Again, no podcast tomorrow. We'll be back with you Friday recapping Thursday's game against San Antonio out in Vegas. We'll get into some free agent action as well as Mitch Kupchak does have some media availability today. We'll recap that for you on Friday's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Perley of Hornets.com. Appreciate you hopping on. Yes, thank you for having me as always. And thanks to all of you for listening as well. For Sam Perley, I'm Rob Longo saying so long on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.